Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thank you for joining us. It is February, if you can believe it, Allie. It's birthday month for me. Oh, happy birthday <laughs> and Valentine's. I know. Everybody's Groundhog celebrating Day. me <laughs> So many things going on. Isn't President's Day, too? President's Day. Nice. Yes, very good. Very Always good. staying on top of it. Well, I can't believe the calendar months are just ticking by. And here we are talking about our uh, February Clinical Corner article. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this one is, is interesting. Um, They're always interesting. They are. It's timely because uh, coming up in March, first weekend in March, we have our Con Ed course. Those loyal listeners know that we do a lot of continuing education Yes. Um, within Oxford. We're always learning the newest, latest, greatest techniques. And mm-hmm. we have a very esteemed speaker coming in March um, from the University of Kentucky to talk to us about, like, therapeutic alliance and managing uh, the patient, not just clinically, so not just their clinical problem, but kind of like managing the whole other context of physical therapy. Therapeutic alliance sounds like something in a Marvel movie. Exactly. It (laughs) is the, yeah, it's the, you know, the team approach of clinician and patient to get better and all the other things that go into, um, you know, expectations and outcomes of therapy other than the actual therapy. Very cool. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you could go to a great restaurant and uh, the food could be great, but the service is terrible (laughs) and, you you know, the chairs are... The ambiance is off. Yeah. So it's just kind of, you know, one thing can affect the other and Mm -hmm. then the food doesn't taste as good. Right. So um, it's kind of like, what are the things that go into that um, experience that also affect the outcome. So that's why this article is really timely to talk about this month. And um, Do we have a quiz question? Yeah, for our students out there, um, I think uh, the best question from this article would be, uh, what is the primary influencer of outcome in individuals with rotator cuff-related shoulder pain uh, who treat it with exercise? So that's a long one. (laughs) Yeah. So think through that. Um, The title of this article is Restoring That Faith in My Shoulder, a Qualitative Investigation of How and Why Exercise Therapy Influenced the Clinical Outcome of Individuals with Rotator Cuff Related Shoulder Pain. Influencers influence. This is just sounding right up my alley. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this one is from July 2013. It's in the uh, Physical Therapy and Rehab Journal. Um, A little bit of a throwback here. Yeah, I mean, last summer, uh, it was interesting. I was kind of looking at a year in 2023? July 23, yeah. I think you said 13. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I misspoke. July 23, I'm sorry. No, not that far. With I was back. like, we usually are right hot off the press. I know yeah. that doesn't sound right. <laughs> well, the reason why this one uh, first came on my radar is I was looking uh, back in the end of the year at the most cited and most read articles of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And so this was on the list. Wow. I was happy to say uh, it was a list of five. And uh, the other articles were all articles that we had already previously covered wow. on the podcast, which okay. is kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. but Oh, we, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that when I uh, 
you know, looked at the list. There were uh, a couple on that list that we didn't cover, but they weren't really appropriate to our environment. They were more, yeah. um, you know, just outside of, of what we do on a daily basis. So well, anyway, hey, that was kind of cool. Um, we're still in the top five. We'll be the top, you know, out here. That's right. We're, we're giving you guys the popular articles, the most <laughs> quoted articles, the most cited articles. So um, it's good information. Yeah. But basically uh, what this study was looking at is of those patients that do exercise treatment with physical therapy for rotator cuff issues, um, how can we determine who gets better and who doesn't um, on the patient outcome? So a couple of inclusion criteria for this. If they were 18 and above, they had an episode of shoulder pain lasting more than a month, and they had been assessed by a healthcare professional and had been given a diagnosis of rotator cuff-related shoulder pain. Um, that, that includes rotator cuff tear, full or partial thickness, rotator cuff tendonitis, tendinopathy, tendinosis, shoulder impingement, or subacromial bursitis. So kind of a lot of different things in that list, right, that could be causing shoulder pain. They weren't real specific. They just wanted that, you know, shoulder pain. And then um, someone who had engaged in an exercise program prescribed by a healthcare professional, um, that kind of included those folks. So they had 20 participants uh, overall, and they did a couple of things and, and excluded a few people. A few people dropped out, and at the end, there were 11 participants that met this. Um, they had an average of 16 months of shoulder issues. They were enrolled in the study. They were from several different com- countries, so oh, cool. it was kind of cool. Yeah, it was Australia, Canada, United States, Germany, and South Africa. So that was kind of neat to see that this concept that we're going to talk about kind of transcends, obviously, just the United States. This yeah. is, you know, this is just about people and people everywhere. Um, so I always wonder cool. how they find these people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, the kind of take home of this article um, is that participants in the study believed uh, exercise improved their shoulder pain Um when it was contingent on other contextual features. So um, things like how the exercise was delivered, how much time was put into crafting the program by the therapist, how much time the therapist spent answering their question, um, whether they could see progress on their exercises pretty quickly. Okay. You know, so I think it's important for us as clinicians to kind of understand that. Um, You could have the greatest treatment in the world and if the patient hasn't bought in it's not going to work i like that they are grading the therapists as well because like you said before at the restaurant as long as you're doing good then there's no fault that's right so um i'll kind of go a little bit more into detail and kind of you know the article does a great job and again ali will have this in our notes Mm -hmm. so you can kind of look at it um but if if you look, the article talks about kind of a couple of conditions. And condition one, uh, they talk about is a strong therapeutic relationships, the foundation for clinical improvement with exercise therapy. And they go into that a little bit. And all the participants stress their relationship with the treating clinician was an important role in their engagement through the exercise. It really drove how committed they were to doing the exercise and kind of the improvement that they saw from it. Um, the other thing that they looked at was the participants felt like when the exercise program was structured and tailored to them, Mm -hmm. that it meant a lot more and they 
got a better outcome. This is just all sounding like we're describing our company. I know. And what we're made of. It was pretty cool. And so, um, you know, oftentimes over the years, like, you know, you'll ha- you'll run into somebody or we're just coming, you know, February, like you probably those clinicians listening are thinking back to the holidays. And I'm sure there was somebody that came up to you and was like, Hey, I haven't seen you in six months. The shoulder's been bothering me. <laughs> Can you send me some exercises? Yeah, I just want to. I do mean, we've all own. heard that before, right? right? Or the patients listening might think, "What's the big deal? Why do I need to go and get yeah. an evaluation and right. spend all this time? Like, can't I just Google shoulder exercises? Right. Are these days TikTok? Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I think that this article pushes back on that concept and says, you know it's probably not going to be the best outcome for right. you. You're probably not going to get the results that you're looking right. for. Um, whether you know it or not, at the time, you're going to be much more invested and get a better outcome when there's time spent developing a unique tailored exercise program to you. Let the professionals do it. Yeah, and I can just tell you, there's a million and one different exercises out there. And it's, you know, evaluating that patient and the different uh combinations that that patient may present with as far as how we choose what different exercise might be appropriate and how successful that patient might be at doing the exercise. Yeah. How can we tailor it to you if we don't see you? Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, condition number three is timely clinical progress with exercise therapy matters. So I think that one of the things that we tend to do in our clinics and our clinicians are great at is on the evaluation, we'll talk to the patient and say, you know, in two weeks, we're going to do a reassessment. And we should see some level or measure of progress at okay. that point. And I think really including the patient in that process where, uh, you know, we might measure range of motion on the first day. And I've had this experience many times. Um, two weeks later, you measure the patient. And they're like, I don't remember doing this the first day. Because <laughs> it can be overwhelming. <laughs> you have so much memory. coming at you. Right. And, and when you actually show them, hey, you're, you're going 10 degrees further than you used to. Like, wow, you know, that's very encouraging yeah. to see. Um, you know, in building on an exercise, realizing, hey, we might give you an exercise. I've had patients before, you start an exercise and they kind of give you that collective eye roll. Well, this is going to be easy. <laughs> and then they try to do 10 or 15 or 20 or 30. Uh-oh. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Uh-oh. And they might be using no weight or just the weight of their arm. So then maybe a week or two later, they might have built up to two or three pounds. So I try to put it in a context. I'm like, if you were in the gym and you were working on your bench press Mm -hmm. and you could do three times what you did two weeks ago, you'd be killing it. Right. I think it also like helps the patient get integrated into what they're doing. They're aware of what they're doing and they can celebrate those successes along the way. Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, you know, one of the things that our clinicians are great at is helping establish building blocks along the way to different activities. Because I always say nobody comes into our clinic and says, I'm here because I'm lacking internal rotation in my shoulder. (laughs) It hurts when I do this. Exactly. They're like, I want to play pickleball. Right. That's why I'm here. There's goals or there's some awkward positions that they show you that they can or can't do. Right. So I think what we do a great job of is saying, okay, we're two weeks into treatment, your range of motion is better, your pain is better, your strength is better, you may not be ready to play pickleball yet, but why don't you get the racket out and start some swings at 50%? 
hit the ball against the wall, do some kind of drill, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think the therapist building those stepping stones into different activities is really rewarding for the patient. And that's one of the things this article, you know, kind of highlights too, is the clinical progress with exercise does matter. Yeah. It also, I think what you're saying is that we're not telling them to not do what they love. Correct. We're not telling them to stop. Yeah. Our goal is to help you find ways. Just do it less. Exactly. (laughs) To kind of help you find ways you can do it safely and not impede your healing and not impede your progress. So, The article also has some really cool things. I won't go into reading them all, but they have some quotes in here by um, different patients where they talk and kind of support these different conclusions that they came to. Um, And it's, it's really interesting, I think, as a therapist to read these. So I would encourage you guys to take a look at them. Um, I'll just kind of read one or two. Um, but as an example, one of the supporting quotes when they did this uh, study, it was through interviews. So they did a lot of video and audio interviews and um, supporting the concept of a strong therapeutic relationship. And the quote says, I think just with the relationship that I built with my therapist and I knew that whatever he said I needed or didn't need and I trusted his advice, I trusted his education and how we, I guess, just had that therapist patient relationship, it was very, very comforting. That's so sweet. That almost makes like me feel good. And I don't even know this person. (laughs) Right. And so if I read that on a review, I would want to go there. Right. And I think that that is, you know, just, um, reaffirming that the time we spend talking with patients and answering their questions Mm -hmm. does make a difference on the clinical impact. Mm -hmm. And I think shows through, on the confidence they have, thus yeah. the compliance they have with the program. Right. Um, the ones that didn't complete their exercise program or didn't have a favorable outcome often cited that they felt like it was a generic program. There wasn't any time put into mm-hmm. um, the, the development of the program and they yeah. didn't have a great relationship with the therapist. Weird. They didn't feel that care. Well, it makes sense because you're spending a lot of time with your therapist and their hands are literally on you. And I feel like having that connection is super important. Right, right. And, you know, I think that, so to the students out there, you know, the thing that's going to drive the outcome with exercise is, um, you know, being a people person, <laughs> exactly, is building that therapeutic relationship, you know, um, taking the time to answer the patient's questions, making sure they understand things, um, the strong therapeutic relationship and a kind of tailored specific exercise program. Um, you know, we kind of all inherently know that that's going to outperform a generic program mm-hmm. that's delivered outside of that relationship. But it's nice to have that validation right you know these studies are nice these articles are nice because you know sometimes we're investigating questions we don't know the answer to or questions we think we might know and we get confirm confirmation of that so this is a great article to support uh you know that therapeutic alliance that therapeutic relationship and i think that i would just encourage our you know students and newer clinicians out there to embrace that And I'm excited for our upcoming course to just continue to learn new and better techniques and ways to do that. That sounds like a fun course to me. I would love to just be a fly on the wall. Come on in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for tuning in for our February Clinical Corner. Uh, We look forward to seeing you soon. We'll keep the episodes coming. All righty. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com, and you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!